Welcome to the Kincaid and Breckenridge Show Highlights Podcast for February the 16th. Happy birthday to my sister, by the way. Um, on the show today, I covered lots of ground, including this um, uh, situation with a couple rebel dot media reporters who were kicked out of the royalty review lockup by the NDP press sheriff or whomever it was. They, they weren't allowed to report on it, uh, so they got booted out. Uh, and we talked to Lauren Gunter about that, whether or not that's an, an infringement upon freedom of the press. Which it is. We also talked about the situation with Nelly Furtado and the national anthem that she sung at the NBA All-Star Game. You can listen to Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770, Monday to Friday from 9.30 to 12.30. Roger Kincaid, Rob Breckenridge, News Talk 770's new morning tandem, exclusively on Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back. I'm Roger. Rob's off this week. Uh, so listen, you, you remember back actually the last time I was away for a week, uh, Rachel Notley, she's the premier of Alberta. She had a little party. Excuse me. Haha. She had a little press conference. It was a party to talk about this royalty review where they, uh, they locked up a bunch of journalists and then they denied one entry and kicked one out. More on that later. And then they took to the microphone a bit later on and said, hey, the PCs had it right. <laughs> Nothing's changing. On the short term, anyway. Um, but, 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 but back to that part. This is the really important part. We can't gloss over the details here. We got a lady named Sheila Gunn Reed who was trying to get into that lockup so she could report on the uh, royalty review, presumably. And then we've got another reporter named Holly Nicholas, who happens to be Sheila Gunn Reed's colleague. They both write for the Rebel Media. Now we've had Ezra on this program in the past. I'm going to say this: You say what you want about the Rebel. You don't have to like it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to like any news outlet in this country. But the fact is that they are reporting on stuff. They choose what they report on. They choose how they report on it. They choose the tone of it. Call that editorial, I guess. But the point is they report. So consider that when we're trying to figure out exactly what qualifies as a journalist. And this guy uh, is my next guest, Lauren Gunter. Uh, and you know Lauren well. You read him in the Sun papers. Uh, Lauren, you're a columnist for sure. Are you a journalist as well? Uh, let me ask you that question. Yeah, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know now. If, if the government's <laughs> in charge of deciding who's a journalist and who isn't, I'm pretty hard on the government. So maybe they'll decide I'm not either. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of these lockups before? Oh, for sure. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. And if, if you're prepared to sit through three to six hours of absolute tedium, on you know what marginal tax rates on uh, slowly appre- slowly depreciating uh, <laughs> you know shut out well shut in wells is uh, is going to do in the next budget then uh, you know you're a journalist trust me if you're prepared to sit through the the minutia that they go through in some of these lockups then then y- yeah you, you get you get uh, credentials on my you know as far as I'm concerned I mean, the thing here is that I've never come across a situation where uh, a government got to decide who was and wasn't a journalist. If you, you know, accreditation in the journalistic business, as you well know, typically involves your employer giving you a card with your picture on it and their name, saying that you are uh, a reporter, a columnist, uh, a, a producer, an editor, whatever it is, uh, and you present that at whatever government function it is, and they. You know, let you stand in the roped-off area 
where the computers are supposed to be. Um, and, you know, if, if I had Lauren's little internet cavalcade of fun.com, <laughs> I decided I wanted to be a reporter uh, on, on serious news events, then really it's not up to uh, the company or the business or the the, uh, the government uh, who's hosting the event to decide whether I can or cannot be. I mean, they can decide that you're not one of the, the big four media outlets and therefore we're not putting you up front. We're going to put you in a cloistered little area in the back. That happens. Yeah. But they don't get to decide who is and isn't a reporter. Well, that's exactly it. And by the way, the website you mentioned is taken. I just checked. But, uh, you know, it, the, the NDP apparently are treating this like it was last night's Grammys, where there's probably a lot of people that would like to think, hey, I can get a free ticket to the Grammys if I just say that I'm with the media. And then they need the, uh, credit, the credentials, proper credentials, so that they can get in. This is basically sitting in a room and being locked in it so that you can't come out and leak the information for a bunch of hours. And it's boring. There's nothing oh, exciting gosh. here. They're treating it like it's a hockey yeah. game or, and, the, or the award show. And, in fact, some of these lockups are intentionally boring. They hope that by boring the media with and, and overloading them with details that we will miss some of the big stories. I mean, I don't think that that's the main purpose of the lockups, but that happens at lockups mm-hmm. all the time. And it's kind of like a game we play. You know, the government tries to feed us. Uh, reams and reams of unimportant details, and we try to shift through them and find the little sparkling gems that are in them, and it just goes with the turf. But, you know, uh, I think the most appalling thing that happened, well, there's three things that, that I reported on. First of all was that, as you said, Sheila Gunn-Reed from The Rebel was denied admission to the lockup for the royalty review because she wasn't, a quote-unquote, accredited uh, journalist, even though she had her rebel media pass with her. Right. Uh, the second thing was her her colleague Holly Nicholas had been inside the lockup for over an hour when Sheila tried to to go in. I tried to to be let in, and she didn't push away. She wasn't screaming and yelling. It was no fuss at all like that. And she said, "But my friend, you know, my colleague is in there." And they said, "Really?" And they <laughs> found Holly Nicholas and kicked her out from the middle of. Of the, now, you know, if somebody's in an official event like that, and yeah. they're just there for grandstanding, and they're just there to protest, they're just, just there to disrupt, fine. Have the security guards grab them and take them out. I don't have any trouble with that. I don't suppose most people would. But she's sitting there listening to the technical briefing, like every other journalist, being preparing herself to, to make a report for the rebel on what the review was going to say. And, you know, we didn't know until after the the lockup and, and everybody was out and, and it was all made official, that they weren't, that the NDP weren't going to try some radical new royalty regime. I mean, this is a huge story for Albertans mm-hmm. about what the government was going to do. And so th- these two women from from the rebel went to, to go into this to, to find out about because we were all thinking it might be a huge story. And the government denied one and kicked the other one out. Then later on, down at the downtown Hyatt in uh, Calgary, there were stakeholders, so industry representatives, uh, people from uh, environmental think tanks and, and, and the like, in uh, meeting rooms, and journalists could sign up to, to go and uh, talk to them, interview them on what they thought about the review. And uh, uh, Marcella Monroe, who is the uh, outreach director for Notley in southern Alberta, noticed these two rebel reporters there, and they were standing not in any of the meeting rooms, but in the common area in the hotel, and she went over and told them to get out. Right, yeah. Okay, 
we got we got to take a break shortly here, Lauren, and, mm-hmm. and I want to get into the, the the fact that there's lawyers involved in this now, okay. which just seems absurd to me. But but let, let's just clear up a point of fact here, so that people understand exactly where this conversation is coming from. Because the point of this lockup is to educate journalists about what the announcement is, to give them all the information that that is public. It, it should be public domain. And then to also um, say, you know, there's a bit of a, uh, uh, what do we call this? Um, there's a, a moratorium on this. You can't publish yeah, it's it until. until it's yeah. a public release, for sure. And it makes it a level playing field, right? So that Sheila Gunn-Reed, just as an example, can't get it and then just publish something one minute after it's out public. Like, they've got to uh, be able to have time to, to digest the information, write it all out, and then disseminate it at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's take a break right here, Lauren, because the fact that lawyers are involved in this is just absurd to me when it's quite clearly a case of the government picking and choosing who should be allowed to tell their stories. This is Lauren Gunther as my guest. This is Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Hi, welcome back. Kincaid and Breckenridge show. I'm Roger. Rob is off this week. Lord Gunther is my guest. Uh, Edmonton Sun uh, columnist. I'll call you a journalist because you, <laughs> you journal things, Lauren. Okay. So here, here's here's my beef, and I'm always want to point out when this happens on on the other side of the spectrum too, because it's deeply troubling for me when it's not just the right or just the left. But the left went nuts that time that uh, the conservatives said we're having a press conference. You can only bring your cameras in, no reporters allowed. So everybody walked. Uh, Donald Trump has a habit of pointing out reporters that he has in his uh, press conferences and saying, uh, "You, you're terrible. Get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we got this this dangerous situation where the media wants to try to manipulate the journalists, and now it looks like the NDP government has got their lawyers involved. Well, actually, the involvement of the lawyers started with the rebel. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so when uh, Ezra Levant heard that his two reporters had been kept uh, out of the lockup out of the interviews after the lockup for the Royalty Review in January. And then when Justin Trudeau came to visit uh, Premier Rachel Notley at the legislature the next week, and they were also denied uh, the chance to come into the legislature, to a public building, and uh, and stand at the, uh, the the news conferences in the rotunda. I mean, it's not... It wasn't like it's in a, a, a special room or anything. It was in the rotunda of the legislature where... You or I or anyone else can go for a tour um, every day of the year, but Christmas Day. Right. Uh, they were kept out. They were. They were. Uh, Sheila Gunn Reid was the one who was kept out. She was given the bums rush by a sheriff, uh, who and they provide security at the legislature. A government employee said, "No, she's not allowed in. Get her out of here." And so the sheriff uh, dutifully took her out. And when he heard this, Ezra uh, then engaged uh, Fred Kozak. And, and I know Fred very well because he, he, full disclosure, used to be a partner of my wife's. And Fred is one of the leading media lawyers in the country. I mean, he's argued cases before the Supreme Court on media freedom and things. And uh, so Fred just wrote to, uh, the, to the premier's press secretary and said, here are the facts, here are the details, here are the times they've been excluded. Uh, we would like you to apologize, but more than that, we would uh, just like you to, to say that our uh, reporters won't be excluded in, anymore. And this strikes me as the bizarre part with lawyers. The government then handed it over to the Department of Justice, so you have full-time, <laughs> independent government civil service lawyers. And one of them, uh, a guy named Jason Fung, wrote back to Kozak and said, it is our client's contention that your client... And anyone associated with your client is not a journalist. Well, so I'm, that means Ezra. It means the rebel. I mean, Ezra has been in media, has been a journalist since the early 90s. I don't know how they can, they can claim that he isn't. Uh, and yesterday when I 
when I uh, exchanged emails with Cheryl Oates, who is the Premier's communications director, she said, uh, the people at the Rebel have said repeatedly, and we have this documented, that they are not journalists. Uh, so if they decided the day of the royalty review to start calling themselves journalists, who is the government to say that they aren't? Well, yeah, precisely. And and the the term journalist, I mean, listen, it can mean a couple of things. One, it can mean somebody who goes to work at a newspaper or yep. a radio station and then, you know, does news stories. But then there's you and me, Lauren. Like, I've never really been comfortable with the term journalist just because I think it more uh, uh, colloquially describes the former. But here we yep. are talking yep. about something that's a current event, which means we're journaling. And as such, we're kind of journalists. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and the other thing is, too, that, you know, those so the rebel isn't in print. It's not on uh, cable or broadcast television. Right. It's not on the airwaves for radio. But increasingly now, particularly people under the age of 40, get their news online. Yeah. And that's where the rebel is. And if you look at the Google traffic, uh, the way Google monitors traffic to different websites, mm-hmm. the rebel is one of the top 10 uh, Internet sites for news in Alberta. It was beating McLean's when it launched, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so, like, there's no question about it, but, he, but here's, here's the, like, let's just boil this down and call it exactly what it is, okay? And if I, if you disagree with me at any time, please interject. Okay. But we got Rachel Notley, the NDP. They don't like Ezra Levant. They no. don't like the rebel. So you boil it down to their voters, the left, the progressives, whatever. They hate Ezra Levant and the, his conservatism and, and all of these views and stuff. So it's quite clear that they're trying to prevent these people from coming in because they don't want to see more screed written about them, as they would put it. They don't yeah. want to see these yeah. columns going up on the rebel media that say, uh, Rachel Notley and the destroyers, they're really, really bad for Alberta. How dangerous is that? that when you use your political clout to effectively censor what people in your country can read i mean that's horrible you'll know because you you've heard as many people say it as i have i'm sure that you know stephen harper was a dictator blah blah and i I got into a conversation in vancouver in um november right after about two weeks after the federal election and oh it's so good that that dictator harper is gone well if he's a dictator how come we had an election yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but but that's that's how dictator would really work. Mm-hmm. They would they would now the NDP aren't locking up the rebel reporters. They're not shutting down the internet site. They're not trying to to block people from finding the rebel online. Uh, but they are making it difficult for the rebels reporters to report. And that I think is the first step. It's a long way away from dictatorship, censorship and things, but it is it is the first step. And you know, I think as as journalists or people in the media or whatever we want to call ourselves, we have to stand up for people we don't like who are in these situations because at some point the power that's used against people we don't like can easily be turned on us. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely true. And and Lauren, just as a as a guy who's uh, uh, who's been around for a few laps, can you imagine living in a country where you couldn't read opposing views? How detrimental would that be? Yeah, it, it, it's it's horrendous to even think about. It. I mean, I'm sure people have said to you, uh, you know, people fans of yours have said, "Gee, you're so brave for taking on the government this way or that way." And people say that to me. I, I'm not brave. I, I can take on the government without a fear that someone's going to come to the house in the middle of the night and right. take me or worse yet, take one of my family members and, and that they'll disappear until I start towing the line. And we, we're not real brave in, in, in this country compared to, uh, you know, journalists in, in countries that are dictatorships. But 
you got to get you're starting to get to be brave when when you have the government telling you you're not a reporter and you're making us think about it. That's that again is the first step. It's the lowest level of of censorship, but it is it is a level. Yeah, I got a hard time with the word brave, Lauren. Uh, sitting in a climate-controlled environment, yep. speaking into a microphone, is not an act of courage in the same way that running up a muddy hill on Vimy Ridge is. No, but it's also, <laughs> in, in, you know, and, and sitting where I do with my laptop yep. uh, in, a, in a comfortable room uh, surrounded by snacks, um, <laughs> that's not brave either. Even if I'm, you know, rattling the cages of people in power, what's brave is, you know, the reporter who uh, stands up in, in Saudi Arabia and says women should be allowed allowed to vote right. and to drive. That's brave because you could end up in jail. Yeah, you get killed for that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I didn't realize you had snacks, Lauren. I should start broadcasting <laughs> from your place. Hey, thanks very much for the chat okay. this morning. Right, we appreciate right. it. Lauren Gunter, uh, columnist in the Sun newspapers. Uh, you might have read him yesterday uh, talking about the, the situation with a couple of rebel media reporters, or our guests, excuse me, uh, rebel media ne'er-do-wells who were uh, not allowed into the NDP lockup on January 29th when they discussed the royalty review. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge. We'll be back right after this. It's the time of the season. Hey, welcome back. Just a, a minute left here for some of your text messages, 770-770. It, it, it's, it, it's a tricky thing, right? The reason you have that lockup is so that you can give the press time to get acquainted with the issue and they can they can write the stories that they want to write. And that's important because, uh, you know, the Herald is going to write a different story than like BNN is going to write about the Royalty Review or the Financial Post, right? So you give them all the same opportunity to get their ducks in a row. And then you, you say the lockup ends at noon and boom, at noon, they all have the same opportunity to file. So it's competitive. You preserve the fact that you're not doing anybody any favors choosing favorites. However, when you boot people out of the lockup, and you are preventing certain media outlets from from being able to participate. Now, I, listen, I'm not terribly fond of the rebel. I don't go to the rebel to to learn stuff. I go to the rebel to read right wing comment on on stories that they think are important. Um, but that's the view they project, and I don't want to live in a Canada without it. Just like I don't like living in a Canada that doesn't have Sun TV news. It's important to have. A variety of voices. They provide that, and people like it. Second, the government stands up and says, hey, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. we got a problem. Here's a text. So because you're journaling that makes you a journalist, you're not serious. I painted my living room. I'm delighted to say I'm now a professional painter. We're well, not a professional painter unless someone paid you to paint your living room. But while you were painting your living room, you were a painter. And if you're going to continue to paint walls, that would make you a painter. If you buy paint at the hardware store, and then you go to your house with that paint and you start putting it on your walls, you're engaged in the act of painting in much the same way that if you're willing to sit through the tedium of a lockup and then write about it and publish it, you're journaling something, which would make you a journalist, at least for the time being. This one says, I can always answer why they're not journalists or why he says he's not a journalist, because the rebel, all they produce is usually slander. That's from a text messenger. Now, if it's true that they always usually or ever produce slander, there's a remedy for that. And it's called the courts. That's why the NDP has nothing to fear from letting them in. This is Kincaid and Breckenridge. The news to 11 o'clock is next. Conversation Station. Hey, welcome back. Danielle Smith is going to be in at 1230. What did you think I was going to say? See, Danielle's back there right now in the bullpen getting warmed up. And she probably heard that stall, that pause and thought, what? I'm what? Daniel Smith is what? 
she is getting ready to host a show at 12.30, so she'll be here. Uh, Rob is not here. It's just me, Roger, and your phone calls, 974-8255. Um, I want to get your take on this matter. Okay, so this was hugely and hotly controversial over the weekend when uh, a proud Canadian daughter named Nellie Furtado, uh, who rose to prominence for singing I'm Like a Bird, among some other things, um, she was she was given the privilege of singing our national anthem, one of the all-time greatest Canadian hits, right up there with Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran and Snowbird by Anne Murray. Um, sing the national anthem at the NBA All-Star Game. And instead of singing the national anthem, she, accompanied by a very lovely flautist, uh, proceeded to to sing something that had very similar words to the, the song you and I grew up singing in elementary school, uh, but certainly wasn't O Canada. She she effectively defrauded Canadian viewers and attendees of the NBA All Star Game in Toronto. With this, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word rendition. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here, though? Um, oh, help me out. Uh, atrocity. That's what I was trying to think of. Listen to Nelly Furtado singing to a packed ACC during the All-Star game. And then, and then I want to hear from you. 974-8255 perform O Canada accompanied by Tony Duncan on flute. Please welcome Victoria British Columbia native and Grammy Award winning artist Nelly Furtado. fight the Nazis so that Nelly Furtado... No, I'm kidding. That's a line from the movie Goon. <laughs> Which, so, okay. 
There's a lot to be said about Nelly Furtado singing. Uh, uh. See, that wasn't O Canada. So I don't want to say she was singing O Canada because that's not what that was. That was a song. She just transposed the lyrics of O Canada on top of another song. You get the sense that the flute player probably had no idea what she was doing. It was like, what? What is this? Crazy. That guy's doing his best to get through a friendly giant. Nelly Furtado's right next door doing her own thing. And uh, the other thing, too, like here's here's another issue that I have with it before we get to your phone calls. Oh, I see Mary's called in. I want to hear what Mary... Does Tim answer the phone? Does Mary like Nelly Furtado or not like Nelly Furtado? Does not like Nelly Furtado. Okay. That'll be, I can't wait to get to that call. But here, here's the thing, okay? If you're at the NBA All-Star Game and you say... And the guy says, please rise for the singing of our national anthem. You get to take part. Everyone knows the song. We all get to sing along. But if the guy instead says... Like if you're at the Flames game and Beasley says... Please rise for the singing of our national anthem, but don't even try it because you have no clue how this one goes tonight. Totally different. Don't even try it. Just, you know, maybe come back nine or ten games. Eventually you'll get the point. You'll be able to participate. That's a different thing. We're all supposed to be able to sing this song together at the drop of a hat. Proof positive. Just be drunk anywhere in the world where Team Canada's got a hockey game. You will find people that you can sing this song with. You all, you all sing the same way. Even if one of you sings it in English, the other one in French, you'll nail it. Nelly Furtado, however, I don't know what that was. Hello, Mary. How are you? Oh, Roger. Yes. Why did you even play it? I'm mad again. <laughs> you, that you... was an absolute desecration of our national anthem. Wow. And I was not impressed. You sound very angry, though. You well, probably saw I that. Do, I did not like it. That is our national anthem. You sing, Oh, Canada, the way it is written and to be sung by everyone that was there. I can't agree with you more, Mary. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's a reason school kids right. learn this one. Yeah. And you're right, the flautist did not even know what she was doing. The look on her face <laughs> told me, my God, what is this, a rap song? <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the call, Mary. I really appreciate it. Yeah, the, the guy, guy playing the flutes right there going, I'm sorry I was told O Canada would be played here today. I mean, the, we when when we learn this in elementary school, right, we're six years old or whatever it is. And we're going to start singing the national anthem every day to develop some pride. It's like this, it's this commonality. It's this wonderful tradition, this nostalgia for Canada that we're learning, that we're adopting. We're born Canadians, but we learn how to be Canadian. And we have this shared experience of, you know, being there in, in drawing class or something like that or, or, or grade one. And at the start of the day, at the start of the classes, we're all going to sing our national song the same way. And then Nelly Furtado she does that. Yeah. Hi, hi there, Dan. How are you? Uh, you know, after this anthem, I'm not even sure. I, I took the day off work. Um, <laughs> I, I suggested to my friends and family to not even, not even bother putting in the effort today. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually sad, Roger, that we don't have better things to talk about. Oh, we got like, a lot of things to talk about. But this is important, though. This is a good thing to talk about, Dan. Okay, well, I'll tell you my my true feelings about the anthem then. Sure. I don't feel personally involved because I was never given a choice. Well, what I do you never, mean? You're never given a choice as to what Canada's national song will be? 
Yeah, I'm more of an Earth song. Can we not have a <laughs> Earth song that brings us all together? We, we, we will when we get to the uh, uh, the Galactic Senate phase of of our lives. It might be a little after you and I are gone. But look, I mean, I'll tell you something. Today on the program, here's what we've talked about. Okay, Dan, we've talked about uh, what the Saudi, Russia, Qatar, Venezuela oil production freeze means to Alberta. We talked to Lauren Gunter about the freedom of the press. We even talked about the constitution of this great nation of ours. Now, we, we do cover a lot, a serious ground on this program, but I'll tell you something. When someone gets up and sings the national anthem in a way that most Canadians can't identify with, that's worth talking about. Anytime we get to talk well, about who we are as Canadians, it's a good conversation to have. I, I, I get it, but at the same time, when do I hear the anthem? Like, honestly, unless I attend sporting events, like, it could be 10 years between when I hear it and I heard Nelly, and now I'm like, man, finally we jazzed it up a bit. <laughs> well, you know when we hear it? We hear it on Remembrance Day. And I think that when we hear it on Remembrance Day, we're reminded that it's a solemn anthem and it's oh, a sacred that, anthem. That sounds like a low blow. No, it's not. It's, it's not. A, it's not a low blow, right? Because, because uh, honestly, and 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 I'm glad I have you here, Dan. And this is not a shot, but you know, it, it 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 makes us think, right? It makes us think about what the value of this song is. And I've said so many times, we shouldn't sing it before sporting events because people uh, from uh, like people disrespect the Star Spangled Banner when it's sung in Canada, and I hate seeing that. Sometimes the 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 uh, the national anthem our national anthem is disrespected abroad when it's sung and i don't like to see that i don't like seeing uh drunks get off a couple of yahoos during the national anthem like it's a moment that we rarely get where we get to reflect but that song should be sung the same way that a soldier sings it to him or herself in kandahar for example we staring up at that flag that's how that song goes and that's how it should okay. go okay I, I hear i hear what you're saying but that's definitely a way to take the wind out of uh Nelly sales. <laughs> you're, you're the goods, Dan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling Thanks, in. Bye bye. Now, like it's true, right? I mean, that song has very, very uh, deep meaning to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, and all of them are sacred. Think about what O Canada means. Uh, 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 you know, for example, to to my granddad, who was a veteran, right? Who's fixing um, uh, who's fixing Lancasters over there in Stoke on Trent. And, uh, you know, they sing the national anthem. Think of what it means to him. Right? That's kind of where I'm coming from here. So it means something different to me. It means something different to you. It means something different to that Syrian person who just learned it because they're so thrilled to be in their new home. So we get Nelly Furtado up there, and she's like, oh, I'm going to nullify this thing. No, thank you. Uh, hi, Nick. How you doing? Good, good. Lay it on me. What's your thoughts? Well, we have a singing group and a rhythm cast band of seniors at uh, Beauview, and we we. We sang at the uh, Remembrance Day, and we sang O Canada, and uh, God Save the Queen at the end. And uh, the version that I heard from Nellie sounded like she she didn't study music or something <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> uh, didn't study music. It's perfect. She's a Grammy Award winner. And then they introduce her. Grammy Award winner. This is going to be great. And then she goes and does that. Uh, hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well, thanks. That's good. You know what? I started to cry all over again when I heard that song on your radio today. The way she sung it was just thoroughly disgusting. Disgusting, huh? Yeah. No a... heart. She had no heart. And, you know, I can't sing. But you know what? When it comes to O Canada, I sing it with heart. Yeah, no, that's my point. That's exactly the point, Mike, is that you don't have to be a great vocalist to take part in O Canada. You get a big feeling when you hear, uh, like that elementary school children's choir, which is a far cry from the Vienna Boys Choir, but they're oh, giving yeah. it all they got, right? 
Yep, and I love that guy with for the uh, Edmonton Oilers that would sing it every once in a while. You yeah. know, it just gives you goosebumps. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate the phone call, Mike. Thanks very much. Uh, it's not the worst national anthem, Canadian national anthem that's ever ever been sung. It's not the worst rendition of O Canada. It might be the second worst. Uh, need I remind you of one Greg Bartholomew? Now, in fairness to Greg Bartholomew, I believe this was a Las Vegas lounge performer who was rustled up at the last moment when they realized that it was the Canadian Football League the Las Vegas Posse was playing in. But this might have been a, a low light for O Canada. Oh, Canada. So far, so good, Greg. Our home and native land. So he's trying really hard, but, you know, I think Greg recognized about at that point that this is not going well. I'm just going to get through this thing, and I'll I'll dazzle them with a big finish, and that should make everything okay. We stand on guard for the... And like 62 people in attendance at that Canadian Football League game in Vegas that night uh, were pumped. Uh, we're going to take a, take a quick pause here. More of your phone calls when we come back, including Gordon, who's got a very good pressing question to ask about O Canada. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. Hey, welcome back. Kincaid and Breckenridge show. Rob is off. He has saved his ears from the Nelly Furtado trauma. Uh, Gordon's called in. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what? First, I want to start off by saying that she didn't get the lyrics wrong. And I think that's an important part when you're singing the national anthem. Okay, full point. Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they do. Yeah. My question for you is two of the uh, members of the rock band Big Sugar, mm-hmm. uh, Gordy Johnson and Kelly Hopp, often, like every year, appear at Maple Leaf Gardens, yeah. and it's every year because they get invited back. Yeah, you know what, I'll tell you something, I, I know where you're going with this, I, I, I'm a big, big, I'm a big fan of Big Sure, I like that band a lot, and I've been to a ton of their shows, and they play, uh, O Canada, and I look at it in the rock concert setting, and I go, alright, well they didn't, te- like, stop everybody and say, take off your hats, like, they just kind of go that, into Maple it. Maple Leaf's game. Yeah, now I want to play that so people get an idea of what you're talking about, so I'll just give you a few licks here. So, like, Gordy Johnson has got some guitar chops, and that's pretty cool guitar playing, but I don't know how you're supposed to rise and join us in the singing of our national anthem when Gordy Johnson's going to be, like, wailing away on his 18-string guitar like that. It's kind of not really what the point of the song is. Well, the point, okay, you see, I think certain musicians, like musicians, should be allowed to have a little artistic expression. Don't tamper with the lyrics. I mean, in Gordy's case, they don't even play the lyrics. Yeah, no lyrics And at all. Kelly plays the, the Star Spangled Banner entirely on a harmonica, and it brings the house down. Right. So I, I know that you want to hear what you heard, so you say it was a tepid response from the audience. If it was a regular game, I don't know. Or if it was certainly... They can't all be barbershop quartets from 1918. <laughs> oh, that's the you best. Know? So, yeah. so I think you're being a little harsh on Nelly. 
I don't know, man. The national dialogue is not tremendously supportive of Nelly Furtado's rendition of it. And you're right. Listen, they applaud it, but they, they'll applaud anybody who sings the national anthem. And very seldom do you get booed. They even applauded that woman who fell down on the ice, and she just, all she did is got back up and came out the next night. Before she even sung, they went nuts for her. Okay, but uh, <laughs> you know you know what? I, I love the fact that you have opinions, at least. You're not sitting on the fence. And, but I kind of think you and... You and Don Cherry may be alone on this one. <laughs> you know what, Gordon? I'm glad that you have fun phoning in to share your opinions, because that's what it's all about. Okay, mate. Thanks a ton, pal. Take care. Uh, uh, that does it for uh, for the show today. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, I just I, I look at the national anthem. This is why I don't want it sung before before sports events, because there's too much of that artistic license. If you want artistic license, release another album, sing I'm Like a Bird. Gordon makes an interesting point there. But the national anthem... I mean, it's that song is so important, we don't even remember who wrote it. Because the song is what it is. It's bigger than any one person. And I just sort of feel like that should be a unifying force, as opposed to, okay, great, now what's, how's this person going to do it? How's Burton Cummings going to do it this time? Uh, Danielle Smith is next. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow at 930. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770.